Audio. This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I am sitting in my home with, I'm sorry to all my other guests, but my favorite guest, because it's my wife, Sarah Scrimshaw. <laughs> Hello, I'm happy to be here. It would be so awkward if you were like, this is my second favorite guest. <laughs> be a terrible mystery to introduce into our marriage for no reason. Yeah, yeah, like we should have talked about that ahead of time. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to do that from now on. I'm going to tell all my guests like, no, maybe you've been on the podcast before. Maybe you haven't, but here's where you rank. Now, does that open up the trust so we can have a good interview? Right, yeah. Good. Let me tell you everything. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll get into a little bit of why I asked you to guest on this particular episode of Obsessed. But before that, can you tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do in case they're sad, sad fools who do not know who you are? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, my name is Sarah, and I uh, I do many things, but among them, I, I have ended up working in the he- field of uh, history and uh, event spaces and historic houses <laughs> And um, so that's kind of what I do for a day job and also is one of my passions. I do, I do listen to history podcasts for fun. Um, I also have a background as a dancer, so I'll try very hard not to hit or kick the microphone. <laughs> Kicking would be a real trick. You do dance with your hands as you speak sometimes. I do. It's really hard for me not to, but I'm currently clasping them together very tightly so that I don't accidentally <laughs> hit the microphone. You, can let, you let your hands go. Now that people know what it is, let your hands fly. <laughs> Uh, don't Bam. knock over our whiskey. Yeah. But besides that, let your hands fly. <laughs> That's what I think you should do. Uh, see, I had written down how I was going to introduce you, and then I figured yeah. uh, you introduce yourself. And you said almost all the things that I uh, was going to say, so I think you nailed introducing yourself. <laughs> I finally know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go too far. I don't right. think yeah, any no. of us know who we are yeah. as humans. I don't claim that. But maybe uh, we will discover it here together. So... Um, I wanted to have you do this episode of Obsessed because in our marriage, I have brought lots of my like weird obsessions, mm-hmm. a lot of my geekdom. I don't know if I should say weird obsessions, like things I really like, Star Wars and Twin Peaks, and you've gone to one, and now we're going to go to another Guns N' Roses concert, and yeah. uh, a lot of those things you had uh, some inkling of. Mm-hmm. but weren't a huge fan of necessarily, and a lot of them you have become a fan of, so I feel like it's this awesome thing where... You have uh, shared a lot of my obsessions. Mm-hmm. This thing that we're going to talk about is something that was totally your obsession. I was really interested in hearing about it early on in our relationship because it was cool that I could hear about this genre pop culture thing that you liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I have become obsessed with it. But I realized that I don't fully understand your history with it, your obsession with it. And I thought instead of just having a private conversation in our home, why not do a podcast? It's what we do. It's what you know. we do. <laughs> Soon we'll have a podcast where we just talk about finances. That's right. Won't that be revealing and horrible and fun? <laughs> what groceries do we want this week? <laughs> <laughs> we need more cheese, damn it. Uh, anyway, the obsession is Outlander. Outlander. Ba-bum, ba-bum. <laughs> so uh, can you kick it off by telling people who have never heard of Outlander, saying what is an Outlander, uh, exactly what Outlander is? Yes, uh, yes. You want me to start with what Outlander is? What yes. an Outlander is? You said, or what? Outlander. Not what okay. an Outlander like, is. That's a weird place to Did start. Did I not tell you about this new dictionary <laughs> thing I'm doing, where I just have people define words before they? 
and now crepuscular, and then we'll talk about your obsession. Excellent. No, no, no. Tell yeah. people, because uh, I could ramble about what I understand it is, but I'm more interested in what you, if somebody came up to you and said, I saw just like an advertisement like on a bus stop for something called Outlander. What the fuck is that? Yeah, I would say, well, listen. <laughs> Stop. Listen. So you'd start it like a rap from the 90s. Nice. Pretty much, yeah. Stop That's and listen. my approach. All right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> why not? Uh, it is a series of books that were written. The first book, I believe, was written over 20 years ago at this point um, by Diana. And I have always said her last name wrong, so I'm going to let you say her last name. Because I researched it on YouTube today. Yeah. And I found a clip of somebody pronouncing it wrong and being corrected by the author, Diana Gabaldone. Gabaldone. And I probably said what many people have said. I think I said varied between Gabaldon and Gabaldon and things like that. Yes, I basically made Jerry Lewis noises trying to say her name correctly. (laughs) Gabaldon. But no, I've learned it's Gabaldone. Yeah, so she wrote this book, um, which then became a series. There's now eight books in that series, I think, and some spinoff books and series. And it has jumped into... um, I was going to say jumped into public consciousness, which is ridiculous. This is a best-selling series of books. It's, it's something a huge like huge thing, right? Twenty yeah. million copies of the book sold, or some. I'm kind of grabbing numbers, but a lot of books, millions. A lot of people know, you know, these stories and know her. But there is a series that has been on Stars that uh, the third season is airing right now, um, adapting the books. Each season so far is one of the books, and so I think it's bringing in new fans. Old fans are watching the series and having opinions, um, but that's just the basic. It's books. I could have said that in one sentence. <laughs> it's books and a TV show on stars. That's You're getting right. in, see. This is your love of history. You are giving like a tour of right Outlander. So you started with the like the real what, but it but like what's the story? What's that's it about? Right. Why do people bones. give a damn? Yeah. So it is a um, it's a hard to define book. I'd say it's a combination historical novel. Uh, there's some romance in it, but it's if you're reading it for a romance novel, like you think, like bodice ripper romance novel, you're probably not going to find what you're looking for, but you might find something else that you like. And uh, <laughs> the the main plot of the story is that uh, we start in 19 uh, early 1900s Britain, and our two characters, uh, Claire and Frank Randall, are in Scotland, and and it's like right after World War II, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I stopped right there. (laughs) It's right after World War II. They've just gotten back. Um, Claire was a nurse in the army, a combat nurse, and uh, Frank did something, and I don't remember what. But they've gone on a research trip up to Scotland. Uh, Frank's a historian and uh, was studying his genealogy. I can give long versions of this, but basically, um, when they're up there, there are these uh, standing circles in Scotland, in the book series that standing um, stones standing stones circles circles of standing a world, stones a word yeah like picture stonehenge but smaller and without the whatever those tabletop the cross stones are called. Right, so it's we stonehenge it's and it doesn't stonehenge. have a roof really exactly no yeah. roof no roof rocks yeah. i was gonna say roofy rocks that's terrible <laughs> totally different thing uh possibly for a different purpose but basically uh there's stories about these they happen to be up there uh close to beltane which is a druidic ceremony she goes through the rock who knew that could happen and ends up in 1740s scotland and uh, then the book kind of goes from there and okay, so that's the Claire perspective, <laughs> right? Uh, and I think the the to me the important part of like what this is the DNA yeah. of this is that it is grounded in history. When we meet Claire, 
Yeah. Of like it's very, we, a well studied part of history, mm-hmm. World War II, that she has been affected by, involved in. And then she goes through stones that have been, like, druids are dancing around the stones, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, a ritual the night before um, where the, the local. Yeah. And then she, they're like, the, are the stones are like humming or something. Yeah. And she she's goes, like, uh, <laughs> if, if a rock's going to hum, why not touch it? She makes that adventurous decision. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, like you do in life. And she basically falls through the stone, ends up, doesn't realize what's happened, uh, but quickly discovers she has basically traveled through time through these stones, ends up in 1740 Scotland. And um, who did she meet? Who did she meet? <laughs> Well, I don't want to give away the whole thing. Yeah, just yeah, the, the no. main character. Uh, so the first person that she meets, oh, well, I'll tell you two people she meets. So there, the first yeah. person she meets is the um, ancestor of her husband that they were researching. So there's, you know, great confusion because he looks like him. And then she ends up with this uh, group of Scotsmen and um, they decide for a variety of reasons that they're going to marry her off to one of the Scotsmen, Jamie. And so she and Jamie are wed and basically the rest of the book is uh and books beyond that are tales of their adventures yeah so i and i think a critical thing to mention yes is that they fall in love it's yes. not like she's just like ah, i married this guy and then i live with it they fall in passionate love right the sort of uh otp is the kids say one true pair like <laughs> they are meant for one another they complement one another they fight with one another and it's this great passion and that's totally like, totally even though it was a totally forced marriage um yeah. they they fall in love with and they have a great deep uh love of each other and deep romance and i feel like that's honestly uh maybe this is jumping forward i feel like that's part of what propels the series is this amazing deep almost kinetic relationship that they have that might not be the right word but like you can feel the sparks whether they're positive or angry flying off the page uh pl- flying off the tv show yeah between these two and that chemistry is part of what makes it so compelling i think kinetic is a great word not only because you're a dancer and you're talking with your hands now which is great <laughs> and i support uh but th- yes because it feels like there's there's energy and there's movement yeah. Uh, in everything that's going on with them, whether it is anger or passion or whether they're united or whether they're butting heads, is just so so much energy Always. and movement in that relationship. Uh, and then uh, just for my uh, uh, honesty, yeah. podcast audiences, I have not read any of these books. I have not read a word of these books. Sarah has described some of them to me, but I've watched the first two seasons and the first couple episodes of the third season, and I really like it and want to know more and want to understand it more. So now, though, mm-hmm. we are going to touch the podcast Standing Rock Stones. Oh, my! And we are going to travel back in Sarah time <laughs> to when your first encounter with Outlander is. Why did you first pick up these books? How did you first pick up that first book? Yeah. Um, I picked up, picked up, picked up the first book because, because my friend handed it to me and it would be rude to drop it on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> this is all about movement. Um, I, a good friend of mine who is a librarian had, I don't, I honestly don't remember how it came up, but we were talking books or something and she's like, Hey, have you read Outlander? And one, maybe uh, side note to this, when I was an undergrad, which is when I met this friend, uh, I had studied abroad in Edinburgh, which is in Scotland. So she, I think, already knew I had this um, right. love of Scotland. And she had been reading these books and said, hey, maybe you should try Outlander. I think you might like it. And so I tried it. I liked it a lot. I read book two. 
somewhere during book two, I got really mad at the book, <laughs> like you do, and I put it down, and I did not pick it up again. I don't remember exactly where within the book I put this down. I've been trying to figure it out, and I just don't remember. Okay. Um, and then I happened to see her again. We didn't live in the same towns, but the next time I saw her, I was like, ah, I'm so mad because, you know, I don't want these books without Jamie. And she's like, Sarah, keep reading. Okay. Jamie lives. So I just want to be Sorry. super Giant clear. Giant spoilers. Well, I think we just said that it was an eight-book series about yeah. Jamie and Claire. So, yeah. you know. So you hope he lives. One hopes that he lives. Uh, anyway. Uh-huh. I just want to be clear about this. You put that second book down. So you devour the first book. Yep. You start in the second book, and you put the second book down, not because, like, oh, the prose has become tedious, but because you are so invested in what is happening with the characters, and you don't like what is happening with the characters, and you're like, I'm not going to read their, I can't deal with this right now. Yeah. Just almost like a friend or a relative where you're oh. like, you you are upsetting me, and I just need to step away. Absolutely, I was so upset with what I thought the plot ter- plot the turn of the plot was going to be <laughs> yeah. plot turn um, that I decided I thought that it was going in a different direction. I think I was pretty close to the end of the second book. Okay, and I just was like, no, I just I'm not <laughs> willing to read. At that point, all of the books hadn't been written yet. I don't know whatever three or four more books there were at that time. Is like I'm not going to read four more books that don't include Jamie. No, I'm done with this. Okay. Good riddance. Other things to read. <laughs> so you had initially right away your friend mm-hmm. to talk to about yeah, it. Yeah, we can she, say her name. Her name is Julie. Julie, okay. I thought you were protecting her secrecy for I some know, reason. I it was very a... much like she had witnessed a federal crime. She's don't a librarian and her... I cannot say anything more. It might not be her real name. Uh, uh, so Julie, mm-hmm. a human that we both know. <laughs> Uh, you you had somebody to talk to about this, so it wasn't like a totally isolated, like you just found this on a shelf and you're kind of isolated. You knew it was popular and you knew there were other outlander heads out there. What do, what do fans call themselves? Uh, Is there I'm, a name? I'm sure there's a name, but we I don't know. We can make one it. up. Um, there's, there's a huge fan community. I didn't know that at the time. Uh, she When she loaned me her book or some, however I ended up with it, I think she loaned me her copy. Like, I didn't see her for, again for another six months, so I probably didn't talk to anybody. <laughs> just out of happenstance, it's not that you stole her book, right? <laughs> no, it's because I was reading the book for six months. It just took that long. It is 850 pages or whatever. <laughs> um, no, just from happenstance or, you know, but I didn't know other people who were reading that book and or Outlander, and it just wasn't a thing that came up. Uh, this social media that was around was in baby phases yeah and so it wasn't the kind of thing like now you're reading a fun book you might check and say like oh is there a facebook fan page do people post about this right. with a hashtag it was um you know back in the dark ages right if it happened to come up at a social gathering you'd be like i read that book too yeah um okay so we've talked a little bit about what the the general thing is between both the novel and the TV show, all the mm-hmm. different parts that come together to make it what it is. And to me, it, it what gives it its power is not only that relationship between Claire and Jamie, but the fact that it is mixed with this, this thing that is has a sort of deep respect for history mm-hmm. and wants to like dive into real history and put flavorful characters there so you get interested in history. Mm-hmm. It has just sort of druid science fiction, <laughs> space, time travel... What's the deal with those stones? Mm-hmm. Super, even though it is not a bodice ripper, it is a, uh, a, a bodice verber of some kind because oh, yeah. sexual tension and romance and all of the stereotypes of what romance novels are, including like, oh, I was married to a perfectly nice English gentleman, but then I met a Scottish Highlander. <laughs> Holy shit. And they do certainly like 
having the sex. So there are, oh, yeah. even though it is not like a typical romance novel, in some ways it is the epitome of romance stereotypes. So out of all of yes. those elements, yeah. what was it the unique mashup or what part of it was like got its hooks into you? I th- I think it was a mashup of the ideas. I think it was that it was a I was enjoying the the historical aspect of it, but it yeah. was fun, interesting characters. Honestly, part of it is the characters to me are so compelling and I get drawn in a lot by the characters more than some other details of books. And so um the characters certainly I mean especially with the first book has a lot of um We'll use my kinetic word again. A lot of very kinetic passion. And that is, you know, I I mean, I say it's not a bodice ripper, but it's not like it's it's because these characters have depth and emotion and you're seeing how they feel about it. It it is with sex. It's a bodice thinker. Okay. (laughs) It's a sexy bodice thinker. Um, And so certainly that drew me in as well. And by the time I finished the first book, I was totally hooked in the story and the storytelling style and um yeah i just it just hooked me okay so that's not a good answer and i think i do like the the specifically the relationship not just between claire and jamie but also some of the other very specific relationships within the book i just feel like it does a really good job of you know whether it's between friends or between siblings it has really interesting relationships and i think looking at it now from perspective yeah um I feel like that's one of the things that at least keeps me drawn in if that isn't what drew me in originally. Right. But it's still, it it's trappings too, right? So like it is those relationships, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And taking nothing away from them. I think this is a fascinating thing about why we like specific stories in novels, movies, TV shows is the characters always have to be compelling in that. In that. But if you take them out of their environment, mm-hmm. it's not quite the same. So if it was yeah. just like in in modern times... Whenever these books were first written, early 90s, I think the first one came out, it's just like a woman went to Scotland and met a guy, and they were all had, you know, the same characters. Obviously, characters are shaped by when they are, but blah, 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 blah. But the same thing with, like, Harry Potter. The Harry Potter novels, novels I think, are compelling because of the characters. But if it was just, like, at a regular high school, if it was just sort of, like, at Edinburgh High, <laughs> you yeah. would lose a part of, no pun intended, the magic. So, definitely to me... I think characters is a great answer, but was there any part of the um, science fiction element or the Scottish history element that spoke to you more? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I, um, sorry, I thought I I meant to start with that. So I'd say like the history element of it plus the characters. Okay. So the whole package. So the history. Everything about the book is why I like the book. (laughs) Isn't that a good answer? The smell. Um, (laughs) Yes, no, it is a great answer. But, but totally, the absolutely, the history of it. And like I mentioned, I did um, spend some time in Scotland, have always had a, a strong interest in like Scottish and Celtic and Irish stories and mythology. And so things like, oh, there's a part of the story where there's a changeling, which is, you know, when people used to say that one of their that their baby was replaced by a fairy baby. Like those are stories that I read and devoured when I was younger and even as I was older and like was very interested in that. And so kind of seeing all of these different interests of mine coming together into a novel yeah. was uh, probably kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, and that to me is I think what is really compelling about it because like the changeling baby story is so mm-hmm. 
creepy and great and awesome the actual myth because isn't the myth basically like if your baby isn't behaving like you expect like that sometimes you think it has been replaced by a changeling baby yeah that's the actual myth yeah that if it's um finicky or sometimes or yeah if it's not behaving well sometimes they'll say that if it um if it dies that it was replaced um and they'll oh that the, the know, dead baby was left in a the yeah, baby was and, taken somewhere else yeah and your baby the fairies really wanted so your fav- your baby is living with the fairies in the fairy hills okay and this is i think is part of what's powerful about it to me yeah is it invokes uh some of those myths that are true myths mm-hmm. in terms of like people actually believe them and they're part oh, yeah. of the heritage of that area of the world and claire this sort of rationalist nurse from the 1940s mm-hmm. looks at them and is like eh, well obviously that didn't happen but at the same time, you're there because you traveled through some fucking time stones. <laughs> right. So uh, to me, it's just like it's this nice thing of like it, it's this great mix of uh, of history inside of like crunchy history. Yeah. And in the possibility of something more. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I really like about it is the yes, there is this science fiction or fantasy element of it. But they don't really spend a lot of time trying to explain it. Like, it's not like, but why do they work? It's just kind of the, okay, well, this seems to be what happens. And over time, they're like, oh, a lot of times people will say a long time ago tends to be about 200 years. So maybe that's how these stones work and whatever these energy lines are. And there's more to come with that that I don't want to give away to you. Thank you. Yeah. Please don't. Um, Because I think when you first started telling me about these mm -hmm. stories, because you, you were excited about a new book coming out. And I was yeah. like, oh, tell me about it. Yeah. And it, I just <laughs> geeked out so hard on you. You told me, I think, the entire plot. I, yeah, I'm going to say like four hours later, we got to the actual book I was starting to read because I gave you like four hours worth of backstory. You did, and it yeah. was so great. And I never really quite experienced something like that of just really uh, uh, fully being downloaded with somebody else's geekdom that they loved. But I remember... The one of the first things I asked you about was like, okay, but well, uh, how do the time stones work? Is a is a, a certain <laughs> ritual? Or is a moon? Do the stars need to be right? Like, uh, so I'm I'm so excited now uh, is that we're watching the show to figure out how much of that is going to come into play or not. Mm-hmm. All right, so I have another question for you. Yeah. So it does have some accurate history in the show, right? Totally. That you and that's one of the things that spoke to me in the TV season that we watched about how the Battle of Clodden was not just a battle where a lot of scottish people were horribly butchered but like a, the true end of like a way of life yeah in the highlands like okay well i learned some actual history so my question is should more history be taught with copious amounts of time travel and sex <laughs> to get us really interested in history well that would depend on who you talk to <laughs> yeah. and you know how i jokingly said at the beginning well i didn't jokingly but i was like i listen to a lot of history podcasts this is actually a topic of debate among historians oh really um, yeah absolutely specifically about historical tv shows and does it actually get people more interested um there was recently a list that came out by a, a uk history magazine about um i think it's like the top 100 people that people that uh the readers of this magazine were interested in and mm. a lot of them were you know standard like churchill is i was on there and uh, hitler's always right next to churchill like you know it's kind of how it goes and Vic- <laughs> queen victoria's i was on there but they were saying um a few of the people who were on there that they were specifically um 
I, I, I can't remember the TV shows now. I think there are some British shows that we don't get here, at least what you and I haven't watched. Yeah. That they were on the list that they didn't think would have been on the list if not for TV shows. Nice. And there's apparently this divide going on of, is that a good thing? Yes, gets people interested. Is that a bad thing? Possibly because... Not the interest is bad, but then people, do they just learn it from the TV show and then think, oh, well, everything here is accurate. And we know what happened at Culloden because Jamie fought and somehow that suddenly gets written into history. <laughs> you know, So it is, I think it's a big push-pull, but I think it's fascinating. I think anything that makes you more interested in a subject is great. Oh, I, I totally agree. And I also think, but I think that some are, some shows are done better than others. Yeah. And that's uh, maybe part of where the line goes as well. And I think also, like, are you an academic historian or a public historian? And what's kind of your approach? Okay, but, but you, as a person. I personally, as, as a, a is person a, who works semi in the history field. Yeah. And has a history major. I love these. And I feel like it's a great way to get people interested in different eras, different parts of the world they wouldn't have thought of. Tourism in Scotland, I mean, this is a modern day thing, has a jumped way up because of Outlander. Yeah. Which I totally understand. Like, why wouldn't it? I mean, right. who doesn't want to go to uh, Croatia where they film uh, parts of Game of Thrones and see that amazing walled city? Like, it's a thing that when you, and that's not history, but um, but it kind of brings people into that mindset of it compels modern day tourism, it compels modern day literature it compels what people want to learn more about yeah absolutely think, yeah i don't think there's anything wrong with that thanks outlander is yeah what i say as you can that. tell by how much my hands were gesturing during this whole diatribe i'm very, very passionate very about kinetic this. let's see how much i can make your hands move with my next uh, thing i want to talk about i want to talk about claire as a, a feminist yeah maybe just claire as a character uh and I, you know like i haven't read the books like i said mm -hmm. i've just watched these seasons uh these first two seasons but it seems like such a clear part of the narrative that it's baked in that she is a strong and independent person. Mm -hmm. And even in the 1940s, she is wrestling as historically, I believe a lot of women did mm -hmm. in at least in American Britain of the war comes. Women are allowed by the patriarchy to do more because they have to mm -hmm. and then are kind of trying to be shoved back into their box. And Claire is a strong and independent person soul and does not want to be shoved back in her box yeah but then she actually falls through the time stone and she has to deal with a different rigid patriarchy and she never it's so fascinating to watch her navigate that system and see like how can i still be uh safe yeah <laughs> alive and exert my will and my thoughts and my opinions mm -hmm. within this whole system yeah so i'm curious what you think about it does it work for you is it is claire's story a good feminist story in my opinion yeah definitely i think that that is yet another reason why i like these books so much yeah if the roles were reversed if it were a man who fell through the stones and was trying to figure out what to do with his you know 1740s scottish wife i mean it would be a, a totally different story be yeah. just because of gender dynamics then and a lot of other reasons but I don't think I would be as, I think I'd be interested, but not as captivated. But I feel like the story of Claire, she's totally a feminist from the 1940s, exactly what you just said. We're seeing right now at the beginning of season three, um, what happened when she returned to modern day and kind of her going to medical school when women didn't do that and her push through that and just her, her strength of character. Absolutely the way she navigates 
the uh, 1740s Scottish Highlands, which is a very different still male-dominated, but there are also female-dominated worlds within that and kind of who has the power and when do they have the power. And it has an interesting extra element to it or dimension to it because she's not Scottish, she's English. And so there's kind of a like, well, even though other women might have power in certain more home-based circles, are they going to let her have power because she's not one of them? Yeah. So there's there's always this otherness to her, but also a fighting. And what you really see is a, many times a true respect for her. Yes. I don't know that it expands to other people, uh, you know, kind of in terms of like feminist trailblazer. Now they're going to let there be lots of, you know, female healers or you no. know, whatever. Like, I don't feel like it's that kind of story. Yeah. But for her as an individual, definitely. I think that's what was really powerful about it to me. And I think she is a feminist first because that's just her reality. That's who she is. She has to deal with that. Yep. But there is so much about that story that is about how does an independent individual exert their will mm-hmm. when they have when they're trapped in a system and they have this thing to their advantage and they have that thing to their their disadvantage. But I mean, she's so smart and sometimes stubborn and and makes a mess for herself. She doesn't yeah. need to. Another time, super smart of like, well, you all believe this, so I'm going to put pressure on this, which means I'm going to get my way. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is like, it's very inspiring in a way to watch to try to just remind individuals in almost any situation of like, if you can analyze the structure and the system that you are trapped in, mm-hmm. can you be like Claire <laughs> and apply pre- pressure in the right place yeah to make a difference and make your viewpoint and i mean she's not she's a very good person too she's trying to do what she thinks is right yeah and i think that that's part of it too is a lot of it comes up when she's trying to you know heal people like uh you know early in the first book she reset uh, jamie has dislocated his arm and she resets it uh they're they're about to amputate it because you know like resetting just pushing it back in isn't something that they have so i feel like part of it is respect gained by ferocity of her character and part of it is just plain respect gained by sheer skill like she's really good at what she does she knows what she does it's it's in her dna and she gains respect for her actual abilities, which is just really awesome to see in both time periods. Yeah, yeah. So I want to ask you a more general question. Yeah. Why do you think, now we've decided that this is a sexy bodice thinker, not a bodice stripper. <laughs> That's right. But I, as much as I love this, I'm sticking to my, if you were going to write a joke about what a romance novel is, mm-hmm. I think it fits the epitome of the the parody of a romance novel. And that is not a critique. It's just a thing that I think is true from like a comedic perspective. Mm-hmm. So why do you think that the that romance novels and bodice strippers have focused on Scottish Highlanders? Did Was that going on before Outlander? Did oh, Outlander so. start the obsession with the perfect man to dream of? Is a, <laughs> a, a sweet, sensitive, kilted, be-muscled, redheaded beauty i i I do not claim to be the expert on this but i feel like that's kind of a long time a long time thing a long time coming uh (laughs) a long-term obsession a long-term obsession i think it's a variety of things i think it's uh the kilt and the i mean you know like no easy access come on i was honestly (laughs) going to ask this is one of those great things that has been captured on a podcast (laughs) that is a conversation we would have 
because I do think that is a thing about gross, dumb, overexpressed male sexuality mm-hmm. is that, you know, people like certain images because, like, you could get to things easy. Um, and yeah. you feel like that is it from the female perspective, from the straight uh, female perspective with I've, kilts. I've, we're like, it's right there. It's right there. There's, um, <laughs> you know, the whole idea of that. Scotsmen didn't wear anything underneath their kilts. Okay. So it's not like you've got underwear to go fumbling around with. <laughs> and um, also, I feel like it's, there's something about it. And to me, I I can't remember the exact words that you'd use, but you said something along the lines of like, you know, charming, friendly Scotsman. And I feel like there's actually this myth of like the Scots Highlander standing on the hill by himself, almost like a loner, but he's strong because he walks the hills all day. Yeah. And he, and it's just, it's so different from day-to-day life. Like, how many people who didn't grow up in Scotland, didn't live in an area where there were Scottish people who would still put on their their kilts for, mm. um, you know, weddings and things, you know, people who aren't Canadian <laughs> or from North Carolina or other places with, like, big Scots populations. It's just, it's an other, but it's also a maybe a safer other. I don't know. Is it back They can to- speak English. They can, depending on where they're from. I they mean, can speak English, but it's still but it has exotic because it's yeah. sometimes hard to, because like, they say can instead of no. So you're like, what? What are you right? talking about? Like, I can that. Yeah. Um. So do you think it's a little bit of back to basics? Like, I I feel like we have a uh, fascination right now with dystopian society, with society falling apart and then... Because we just we have so much technology and we're so connected that it's natural for us to fantasize about like, oh yeah, it'd be horrible if there was a zombie uprising and most of the earth died. But then, ugh, no cell phones and we could just uh, eat animals and shoot people and get back to basics and be like rid of all this. <laughs> ugh, just, no one's gonna send. No one's sending Rick Grimes fucking LinkedIn invitations on The Walking Dead. And I think that's right. a part of the deep level fantasy of why we're obsessed with this stuff. Do you feel like Scottish Highlanders are like that too? Of just like, well, we have a sort of clan system. We just live with our families and we, you know, we uh, make clothing out of sheep and we believe in honor (laughs) and we drink whiskey and that's it. And then we go to bed. I I mean, I think so, especially for that kind of early 1700s idea of who a Scotsman is. I mean, it's not like people are like, yes, uh, the ideal Scotsman for a romance novel, a banker in Edinburgh <laughs> who right. sits down at an office and wears trousers. I mean, it's. I think it's a very specific. Oh, a modern Scottish <laughs> lowlander with those difficult access trousers. <laughs> I also wondered, this is just going maybe far afield, maybe not, you know, Please. but thinking of uh, if this is something that has come to us via... English, as opposed to, you know, kind of from the English perspective. right. Because... Romanticizing. Well, no, because the English kept trying to conquer Scotland. And it took them a long time. You know, like... Because they're so independent and free. Exactly. They're so fierce. Right. Whether whether they paint themselves blue or not. Um, (laughs) But I wonder if there's some, like, that's the... That's the foreboding other that you can't have. Whereas, you know, like, plus it's got the accent and the something different, but Ireland has a different uh, interpretation, I think, for people who are from England. I'm speaking very generally like oldie time, uncertain yeah. time, but I I don't know. Just throwing that out there. Maybe. 
I think that so. I I say that is a a uh, I would call myself an Anglophile through pop culture, like mm-hmm. we're talking about, like that uh, different uh, pop culture things bring you. I like so many English things, Doctor Who and Sherlock Holmes and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, that I became very interested in the United Kingdom uh, when I got to live there for a little while with you mm-hmm. for like six months, and we traveled around. It was very clear that, like, uh, almost on like a joke level, that. There's a feeling like the that up to a point, England conquered everything, but they didn't really ever conquer the Scottish spirit, mm-hmm. and Ireland kept fighting back, mm-hmm. and and that isn't there as much with Wales. So maybe there is some of that where it is that almost really gross level from the English perspective of we never quite beat them. Mm-hmm. So there are these free, romantic, strong beings that we can never even truly understand, just standing on the mountaintop with their easy access kilts. Who were they? <laughs> what were they? We never, we beat them, but we never really beat them. And like, yeah, yeah, I think there's that. I think they fit like the, um, like the, I, I don't know where it is in the history of romance novels, but like the Lady Chatterley's lover, where she's, it's the gamekeeper who, you know, I think he's, you know, from Northern England and, you know, kind of the like the other, the one you're not supposed to go after, but also a little mm. bit unattainable. Can I tell you just a random thing because I want Please. to hear your reaction to it on this podcast? Yes. I don't know if you know this or not, <laughs> but one of the inspirations for Diana Gabaldon is she was watching an episode of Doctor Who. And uh, it was where he, the doctor picks up Jamie, who is a Scotsman on Doctor Who. Do you know that already? Yes. Okay. Fine. Uh, yes. I wanted to die. I know. Th- I'm sorry. I'm That's sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Here, let's try it again. <laughs> Did you know that one of the inspirations for her for trying to start Outlander and the time period in which it took place was watching an episode of Doctor Who? What? Thank you. Yeah. No. I mean, it is really exciting, <laughs> and because uh, I, I I vaguely remember that 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 is why Jamie, the Highlander in Outlander, is called Jamie because of the Scottish Highlander from. A Doctor Who, the second Doctor's companion, Jamie McCrimmon. Uh, and I read today on Wikipedia when I was researching this that it was, in fact, this is so funny because Jamie's first appearance on Doctor Who is an episode called The Highlanders. <laughs> uh, so you'd think that, oh, of course, she saw that episode. Instead, she saw The War Games, oh, which yeah? is Jamie's final appearance, where, if I if memory serves correctly, uh, at the end, sorry, Doctor Who spoilers for people who have not watched classic Doctor Who from the <laughs> late 60s. Doctor is uh, basically has to call the Time Lords for help. The Time Lords are like, great, but you need to get rid of your companions. They wipe the companions' memories and dump them back in their own timeline. And they dump Jamie McCrimmon. Guess where? All right, it's at Culloden. They dump him at Culloden. That's, I in know. In the final yeah. shot of Jamie McCrimmon until he comes back later. In the second Doctor's yeah. era is... He just finds himself on a hill. <laughs> there are some red coats to fight, and he charges. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that's what she saw. Like, yeah. wow, that's really cool. Well, see, All that right. is. You had a great piece to add to this that yeah, I had uh, no idea. Okay, so I wanted okay. to follow up. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about the sort of the romance of the Scottish Highlander. We've uh, guessed about reasons why. Have you ever wished that I, your husband, was a Scottish Highlander? On a podcast, this is an art. I was going to be like, well, of course, but here's the thing. Would I ever wish you to be anybody other than who you are? Aww. No. 
would it be fun if you had a, an accent and it was all part of you and like <laughs> I had traveled through stones wouldn't that be fun for you like in like I, don't, I mean like I, so if I was yes me, but no but a Scottish Highlander I like you just the way you are <laughs> okay so I really do have English blood Scrimshaw is an English name mm-hmm. and that's where it comes from would you be happy if you and I went to England and we tracked down my genealogy and we discovered no actually I am mixed Scrimshaw in my blood is actually <laughs> Scottish and I and I just went like all in and I started wearing kilts would you be like this is awesome sure yeah <laughs> that seems like general supportiveness <laughs> I, I mean I'm gonna say like the the always wearing kilts um, <laughs> would take some getting used to too much easy access <laughs> Oh, you're going to have to find some all black kilts, sweetie. <laughs> that's true. I like wearing all black. Um, but no, I mean, that's it's very fun. I, As you know, my maiden name is Stevenson. The Stevensons are from London. But oh boy, for as long as I could, did I just pretend that I was somehow related to Robert Louis Stevenson, who is Scottish, because I wanted to be related to the Scottish Stevensons. Yes. And in fact, to go even farther mm-hmm. with this, we when we were in, I believe, Edinburgh, we saw some fridge magnets. <laughs> that had different coats, and we found the the uh, tartan mm-hmm. for the Stevenson clan, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And what was the Stevenson clan's, uh, their motto? Oh. It was faithful in secret affairs. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I didn't. I know. I know. That, that made an impact on you. And like the tartans, they kind of made up some of the tartans. No, I don't know that there was, when they had tartans, a Stevenson clan. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't done as much because right. they're not actually my relatives. But let's get back to this motto and how faithful, much it disturbed you when you saw faithful it. Faithful in secret affairs. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, I am. I think this is why I like Outlander is I am a romantic at heart. Mm-hmm. I am many things, but one of the things... I am is romantic. So when you're like discovering things, when you're going on those sort of like, uh, uh, what what's the history of your forebears? Yeah. Like on that same trip I got, which who knows if it's accurate or not, the uh, uh, like a little uh, parchment about the history of the name Scrimshaw. Right. And it started out as a French name. There was like Scrimshaw. Uh, and that that scrimshaws, the early French scrimshaws, got kicked out of London because they sword fighted too often. And I was like, "That's cool. like you do." Uh, so I was already on this sort of track of like, "Oh, it's cool." So it's like, "Oh, what's Stevenson? What's the clan or the uh, the family, whatever the tartan mm-hmm. motto gonna be?" And it was like, "Faithful and Secret Affairs" was just sort of like, "If your wife ever does have an affair, she's not gonna <laughs> tell you." And I don't. I, I never doubted your commitment to me. I know you have not had an affair, but it was just sort of like, it was a little bit of a punch to the romantic part of me of like, I was yeah. hoping for something about like, you know, the uh, the sword of her optimism is always sharp. And instead it was just like, <laughs> right? if she cheats on you, she's not going to tell you. Yeah. Or maybe I'd be very faithful and would. Maybe that's what that means. But yeah, I, I, yeah like, but faithful and secret affairs also means like if you and if if the uh, if the government in America falls and we become secret rebels, that I can trust you with any information because you are faithful in secret affairs. That's how I took it. I took it that I was really born to be a spy. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I, we should specify all of these fears were these. This is like a decade <laughs> ago. Yes, and I have struggled to become more mature. 
and see how I'm doing. And I'm still a spy. <laughs> These next couple of questions are not going to make me sound mature, but let's try. <laughs> All right. If you could go through a rock portal, a stone, a standing stone time portal to any time, what time would you go to? Oh, could be future even because so they never many. even talk about. Well, that I am aware of in Outlander. So many options, so many, many options. I mean, we've been talking about this. So I want to go back to this time. Um, I'm gonna do. Ooh, let's see. I want to go back to somewhere. I'll go with like the 1800s. Okay. And I'm gonna go with. Uh, you know why not? Why not stick with Edinburgh? It's on theme. I'm gonna go with 1800s Edinburgh. Why 1800s? I want to see what's going on. <laughs> you could say that about any time, though. <laughs> But like, what okay, time? So, if I could go back for, to experience a specific moment, yeah, and I'm just like, you can apologies tune these rocks. to everybody because I right now I'm in the middle of a podcast and I can't remember any dates. But this That's is what fine. I want to go back to. I think it's early 1900s. I want to go back to the riots that were caused in Paris when they debuted "Prelude to the Afternoon of a Fawn," which is uh, Debussy and was danced by Nijinsky, I believe. So, yeah, it'd be early 1900s. I want to go back and like see that performance with people of that era who would then go riot because of a ballet. And I, if I remember correctly, because you told me about this, mm-hmm. is people rioted because it was lewd, they thought? There or were, because it was too gauche for dance or for ballet? or There were lewd gestures. <laughs> was, there, was there like mime humping? What was mm-hmm. the lewd gesture? Oh, okay. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> now, did, uh, you've told me about this. Do we yeah. see this dance ever? No, but I think we went to the place. We went. We were outside of where either the <laughs> the horrible, either the place where the actual performance happened, or the place where the rioters went. The I think we were went. where the, the performance happened, and then they went and rioted, like in the Tuileries Gardens okay. or something. Okay. So you want to see the actual performance yeah. and like hear what the French people are saying to yeah. justify. How a little bit of humping, mime humping, is justified to start a riot. Yeah. Like, I want to be there about a week ahead of time so I can kind of acclimate enough to, you know, sensibilities, what's going on, what's in the news, what are they talking about in the coffee houses, and then, yeah. Yep, that's my specific moment. Okay, that's a great one. And what is that What is that uh, ballet called again? Uh, Prelude to the Afternoon of a Fond. And now it just gets performed, like, all the time and just, like, people... Mm-hmm. Not all the time because it's very difficult, but it's okay. it's not like a big. <laughs> not everyone can mime. Well, hump. That's right, um, but it's not like a risque. Right. I, right. I mean, I, that's part of it. Is it's like why would this be risque? And uh, I know part of it is probably that it's been too many years since I've read my dance history, and I'm sure I'm forgetting or combining stories. But eh, yeah, who cares? That's right. Yeah, got a problem? Go travel through a pedantic stone. <laughs> Yell at someone. <laughs> All right, here is uh, my next question and final question for this segment. If either Claire or Jamie was going to stay with us for a month, they had to live in our one-bedroom apartment here in Los Angeles. Oh, my gosh. They traveled through time to 2017. Yeah. Who would you rather, both very stubborn people with different perspectives on life, both kind, good people, both restless, Jamie or Claire, staying with us for a month, who would it be and why? Wow, I have such a hard time with that question. I think my initial answer is going to be Claire. Okay. Because it would be fun to experience modern day life with her. 
Yeah. And I find her very fascinating. Um, she could maybe teach me a few like herbal remedy healing <laughs> secrets. I'd like to learn that. She- <laughs> and I kind of feel like Jamie would be fascinating, but Jamie would be a, a lot to handle. And uh, that one might fall on you, sweetie. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, I would I would take Jamie to various like bars and it's like, here's a martini, Jamie. Yeah. Who would you choose? Ah, <laughs> uh, I think I would choose Claire, too. Like the, my comedy instinct is to to go with Jamie because being from an even older time. Yeah. Uh, there would be more that he would be like, what is this about? What is this about? And it would be interesting to see, like, how does somebody who's used to living off the land and very physically expressive, how does he deal with a world of concrete and steel yeah like how does he do a central los angeles but claire i but i would pick claire partially just to be like all right you've already traveled through time <laughs> and now you're in 2017 yeah what do you think what do you think is different what do you think is the same what do you think is just never going to change about the nature of humanity regardless of the technology yeah like i would be fascinated to have conversations with claire yeah and I, think I would love to have see have Jamie experience it and watch that, but I think that's if both of them are here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's what I think our compromise is that somehow, magically, Claire will have to stay with us for a month, mm-hmm. but she can FaceTime Jamie. There we go. And try to explain to him what's happening. Yeah, I like that. Or he can come for like the weekend at the end and then they can leave together. So they're still happy because <laughs> right. I don't want her to be unhappy. Get out of here, easy access, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. These are questions I ask all my guests, you know, because you're my wife. Anyway, here we go. Do you think about Outlander every day? No. No. It's just that, I mean, you really, really like it as a piece of literature, as a television show, but it is not dominating your everyday thoughts. No, no. So, I mean, like, when I'm actively reading one of the books, I think about it a lot because it's one of those that just gets into you. But when... Like, in the years between I was reading books and before the TV show had come out, yeah. Like, we waited a while to watch seasons one and two. Yeah, yeah. Has Outlander ever made you cry? Oh, definitely. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. The TV show, has the TV show made you weep and I didn't notice like a bastard? Um, not, not that way uh, for you. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm sure it made me weep. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, it is very involving. So, you, you the there's books emotional have affected stories. you. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah, powerful. I mean, and I, media makes me, books make me cry, TV shows make me cry. I mean, I, it's a thing that's, I get invested in, it pulls on my heartstrings. That's, okay. it's not impossible to happen. It's not like I've cried every single TV show or book I read. <laughs> no, I've seen you not cry at a lot of shows. A lot. Yeah, we watched almost all of Community, not a single tear. Come on. <laughs> Even things that should warrant crying, I don't always cry at. I don't know why Community was my example, but it was. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to move on. Would you be excited if there was suddenly a just a huge amount of Outlander merch available at like Target, like T-shirts, action figures, shower curtains? Would you be like, yeah, I'd be really torn. So I was actually thinking about this because obviously I knew I was going to talk to you yeah. today. And I was <laughs> about this, <laughs> about this <laughs> in general. And I've really enjoyed getting into speaking of other fandoms. Some of the, like, for myself, light realms of Star Wars merch. But right. Of, like, T-shirts or action yeah. figures. I, I don't have that reaction to Outlander. 
Like you don't want to express your love of it by owning parts of it. No, like I have no need for the shirt. I um I have a coworker who's very obsessed with Outlander. She has a really awesome ba- uh, bag with the Fraser clan. Um, I think it's Fraser, might be Mackenzie uh, clan um, that it's made out of, and it's awesome. It's really cool. Yeah. But I, for whatever reason, whether it's this um this series or just that I came to it through the books, and so the books are all I, it's like the books are all I need. That's all I need. Okay, it's ju- it really is just the physical book. So yeah. like you would actually be a little bit tortured because I am so used to expressing my love of things through by through capitalism, <laughs> and if they were suddenly. I have bought you an Outlander thing. I bought you an Outlander cookbook. Which I love. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a really fun... But it's practical. Yeah. It's real. Like, you can just... You can express your love in a way that is invested in history. That's different than, like... If there was a two-pack of Claire Jamie action figure at Target right now, I would stop this podcast and drive there right now to buy them. But Uh, there are Outlander pops. There are Outlander pops. Yeah. Okay. Well, now I have to stop the podcast and go... (laughs) Goodbye. I'll finish it off. <laughs> okay. But we're getting new bookshelves. So now that I know they're Outlander Pops. Yep. I'm sorry you know what you're getting for your birthday and Christmas. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but, but you don't feel the need to express it that way. And in fact, would be a little like, yeah, I don't need it in my life that much. Yeah. I'm I'm torn. I think, you know, like if we had a whole wall and was, if I had like one or two things, yeah. But I don't have any need to. But I feel like that would be all. Okay. Yeah. This is a sub question. Yeah. It might be a new How Obsessed Are You question. <laughs> If you had a mansion mm-hmm. and you had like 48 rooms, yeah, would you just make one of them an Outlander room, like thematically, in whatever way that means? Here, is the, here are the thematic ways in which I would consider making an Outlander room. Okay. If it were like one of those, like my idea of say like Lally Rock, which is Jamie's family home. Yeah. But it would be, you know, like with a staircase within the room and things like that. But it would be more about the the sets or the if I could have a room that just looked like I was in Scotland yeah I would have that room (laughs) okay if I had a room that was just a whiskey distillery yeah right okay so you would go to your whiskey room like sure it's Outlander too yep all right no that makes sense I'm making a joke but that makes sense no that's that's a good question would you read a children's picture book version of Outlander that omitted (laughs) or only alluded to the sex and violence absolutely and that (laughs) book should exist if it doesn't already it was like, Claire fell through a stone. She met a mean man, but then she met a nice man. Exactly. <laughs> then she fixed his arm. They became friends. <laughs> well, I should say, would you read or would you write a series? <laughs> Here I go. Who knows? No, maybe, I'm leaving the podcast. Maybe it exists. If you had to do an hour of extensive aerobics, I don't know how aerobics are extensive, but if you had to do an hour of aerobics before uh-huh. you could watch an episode of Outlander, would you still watch Outlander? Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> Are you kidding? Here's the thing. You might know this because you live with me. But I, uh, I mean to work out more than I do. I like going to, uh, I like the thought of aerobics classes because you're there and somebody's telling you to do things, so you actually do them, but I yeah. don't make time for them. Right. And so if I wanted to watch a thing and it was like, oh, and you also have to exercise, I'd be like, yay, twofer, bonus. I'd be so excited. My hands are so gesturing right yes. now. You can hear it in my voice. So, but but if that was, let me ask it this way. If it, that was the price of most television shows, you would pay it more for Outlander. Oh, like if every time I wanted to watch an hour of TV, I had to do an hour of aerobics, I'd be so fit. <laughs> uh, Let, let's say different TV shows have different challenges. Like some of them are just like, 
hey, you want to watch uh, uh, Arrow? Great. Uh, do do two push-ups, Arrow. Yeah. But Outlander, because it is about like rugged, not that Arrow isn't rugged, mm-hmm. but about like rugged and survivalism. But it's like you have to do a full hour. Yeah, I would do a full okay, hour. Great. Now, if it's suddenly like you have to be able to do the fish ladder or whatever they do on Arrow, I'd be like, <laughs> that would be, I can't. Yeah, no, I, no one would ever watch Arrow if they had to do the fish ladder. <laughs> only Or Steve, for, even for Outlander. Yeah, couldn't do it. Only Stephen Amell? Is mm-hmm, it Stephen? Yep. Yeah, Stephen Amell would uh, do it. And that's it. Anyway, back to my hubs as are you questions. <laughs> if we renewed our wedding vows, would you want to have an Outlander themed wedding? No. <laughs> Is that just because the. It's not that important, or the history of marriage is so tortured on Outlander. It's so many reasons. The history of marriage is there's there's some tortured moments. Marriages aren't necessarily the best moments, although they become the marriages maybe, but the marriage, the actual marriage ceremony is yeah. Um, I personally, I'm not so up on uh, themed weddings for us. I, yes, I love going to other people's themed weddings, um, but for myself, I just don't feel like it matches who I am. Yeah. Um. And so I'm making you follow that. You have a slight <laughs> actual separation from pop culture in our real life, which I think is probably healthy given my problems in life. <laughs> anyway, if the only way you could read the next Outlander book was by stealing it from a corrupt government official, would you steal it? Like on the plane or something, the gov- corrupt government official was walking past and they had the next book like sticking out of the briefcase. Sure. Yeah, because that's my family motto. I'm a spy. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. I, You know, I often ask this about Walmart, but I was just sort of thinking about the themes. There's a lot of themes uh, in Outlander that are beyond the, the Scottish hierarchy to just sort of the corruption within that corruption is a part of uh, uh, bureaucracy. It's a part of systems. Yeah. And Claire spends a lot of time railing against the corruption in various institutions of all kinds. She does. And I had a moment there of thinking you were going to ask if I would steal it from a store, and I have a hard time with that. Yeah. But stealing it from a corrupt government official, or at least, you know, you know, somebody, yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's They deserve it, right? They they deserve it. Plus, we've already established, at heart, I'm a spy. (laughs) Yes. Uh, okay. So next question mm-hmm. is uh, the showrunner of Outlander yeah. is Ronald Moore, mm-hmm. who previously worked on Battlestar Galactica mm-hmm. and Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Would you stick with Outlander if he went crazy and everybody went with him and said, season four of Outlander actually happens in space? I know that's not what happens in the books, but Jamie and Claire go through a different stone and they go to an exotic space universe, and maybe they even have to fight Cylons. If it was just sort of like, <laughs> would you go with it? Would you still watch it? Oh, yeah. Like, I would I would certainly give it a chance. I'd be like, okay, cool for you. Good on you, making a <laughs> daring, brave choice. Because if you just followed the books, you would know you would have fans, but you're going off to space instead. I, I would totally watch it. Yeah. Whether I would be totally a fan of it would depend on the quality of the show itself. Okay. Um, I'm not just a blind fan because it has the name. But uh, yeah, I would totally watch but it. But you give it a chance. What if it was that season was really bad, but I loved it, and you were like, "Ugh, this is a disgrace to the books." But I was like, "This is so great when they're in space. Mm-hmm. Let's keep watching." Would you continue to watch it with me? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you're awesome. Because <laughs> you know, here's my thing: the books are one thing, the TV shows another. Yes. 
They overlap, but that doesn't mean they always, you know, in this they very much do. But if they decided, nope, we're parting ways. Fair enough. Fine. So be it. Let them be different things. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can always still read the books. Uh, Speaking of which, if you were in the woods reading the new Outlander book, Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's a ninth one coming, but if there's a new Outlander book and a bear ran by and it took your new Outlander book, would you chase the bear? (laughs) I'm a scaredy cat, so no. (laughs) But I might try to figure out if I could come up with a clever way to make the bear drop the book. Okay. Okay, yes. Let's imagine that this is the only copy for some reason. You stole it from a government official on a plane because you're a spy. You go to the woods for some reason (laughs) to read it. You're hiding out from the government official you stole it from. Then the bear runs by and grabs it. You would try to find a way for the bear to drop it? Yes, because then it's my mission to retrieve (laughs) the book. Also, if it's the only copy, that's a totally different thing from I'm in the woods, but the bear really wants to share his or her Outlander fandom uh, <laughs> with, you know, like the bear cubs and they're going to have story time. Who am I to take that away from them? Oh, I love the idea that the bear is opening up. Go bears. I can, you know, purchase myself another copy of the book or but go steal another copy. The only copy you take responsibility. I take responsibility. I have to get it back to whoever needs it. Okay. Not the corrupt government official. Okay, so how would you try to get it back from the bear? What what amount of risk would you take? Would you try to set a trap for the bear? Would you try to distract the bear? Would you try to wait for the bear to sleep? I would try, I would see if I had any food on me. I often have granola bars or something with me, so I would see <laughs> if I could like climb up a tree that the bear wasn't going to <laughs> and like drop some food. So the bear is like, oh, nice. but I'm hungry. Drop the manuscript and I could be like, I've got the manuscript and I'm gonna run. This is such a great spy novel we're concocting. <laughs> it goes from the highest levels of technology flying through the sky on a plane down to bear land in the woods, in the trees, <laughs> in the mystery. If, this is the last of how obsessed are you question. Yeah. If every time you watched Outlander, somewhere a random Scottish man felt a twinge of sadness, would you still watch and read Outlander? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know why? Because they do anyway. It's part of their character. <laughs> it's part of the romance of them standing right. on that. The Highlanders in particular. That's right. How can they stand on the hillside in their kilt, feeling a little bit stoic and just a tiny bit sad? But we're talking modern day. So okay. so you and I watched the next episode of, of Outlander. Yeah. And that lowland banker with trousers we were talking about earlier is just yep. sort of like, eh, I was in a good mood, but... A dark cloud passed over me. You know, here's my way of thinking. Is if every time I was like, dun, 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 life is happy, dun, 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 and then I was like, oh, I'm sad for a moment. If I knew, or even if I didn't know, but what that meant was that somebody in China was getting to watch a TV show that they really oh. wanted to. I, I'm totally in favor of this. So this is random headcanon that a person could make up about <laughs> sudden twinges of sadness of like, yeah, that means somewhere else somebody, somebody is else watching is a really good television show. Yep, <laughs> I'm on board with this headcanon. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's healthy, but I like it. Yep, that's you know what that's probably the scrimshaw motto. <laughs> I don't know if it's healthy, but I like it. Yours is faithful and secret <laughs> affairs. Mine is I don't know if it's healthy, but I like it. I ask everyone to make a noise to sum up their obsession. What noise can you make to sum up your obsession with Outlander? 
I meant that. That sounded very like, come here. And I meant it to be like, I can't do accents. Like, you know, because you're married. Was that I was trying to be like a Scottish, like a, I'm very proud. But I can't That's do. That's pretty good. So the, it, I Say was it, meaning try it again. Very, very. I can't. I, I really, it's just like, you did I, I do them great in my head. But Say once proud. I, proud. <laughs> That's good. It is. It is far mean. better. Oh, see, <laughs> this is this has been deep dug deep into your very soul. So you think you can't do accents, but that one is like actually much better, I think, than most people's Scottish accents. So there, that's my. Uh... That's what I can. <laughs> <laughs> well so that's your noise. Yep. Very very good noise. Uh, I had a thought off the noise. So it's interesting to me that your noise goes to the Scottish noise, and not a Claire noise. Because yeah. Claire is our entry point. Claire is the person we would have live in our home. Yeah. But your noise is still Scottish. It is. And here's a, here's a bonus for you. Excellent. If there were a smell, <laughs> I think the smell would be, it'd be influenced by a combination of uh, Heather, like because they're, you know, always out in the Heather. Yeah. But it would also have some element of like the herbs that Claire's collecting, whether, no matter where they are, or like... You know, it would have some sort of medicinal. Oh, like that scent. The, the the smell of nature that also smells like that's going to make me better. Mm-hmm. A medicinal, a yeah. healthy herbal medicinal smell. Yeah. So right. the sound is very Scottish, Scotland influenced, but the smell, I'll give the smell to Claire. <laughs> Excellent. I'll maybe add that to my how obsessed yeah. uh, questions to to sum up. Now, can you make a smell <laughs> that sums up your obsession? I ask people a lot of weird questions, but I think that will be a bridge too far. <laughs> anyway, let's get on to rating your obsession. Yeah. As you know, uh, we rate people's obsessions on a scale of one to seven, one being the lowest, seven being the highest. I have been asking other people to start, and I'll see if I agree with your obsessed Oh, so level. I rate myself, or do I rate you? <laughs> Both. Why don't okay. we start with you? Okay. Are you giving me um, the what we're rating it in, or am I coming up with that? Uh, let's say uh, one to seven kilts. Okay. Out of seven kilts, how many kilts obsessed are you with Outlander? Um, I'm going to say somewhere between a three and a four. A three and a four. Yeah. Okay. I'd say like when I'm actively reading or watching it, I'm a four. When I'm not, I'm a three, so let's make it a 3.5. Okay, I think 3.5 is good, and I realized by giving my obsession scale a yeah. very low range, most people are like, you want me to be a 6 or 5, right? Because otherwise I'm not obsessed, <laughs> because obsessed is pushing too far. But like, no, it's a scale. Mm-hmm. One can still be obsessed. Yeah. So I like 3.5, and as your partner in life, I will say I have observed that it is something that you never lose your passion for this. Yeah. Uh, but there are times where you're like, well, I'm, I read a couple chapters, but now I'm going to put this book down. And like when the the show was first coming out, we we're both like, yeah, we need to figure out how to watch this. And then once we did watch it, we were like all in. Mm-hmm. So it's something that never leaves your heart, but isn't like a day to day. You can't go a day without Outlander. Yeah. So 3.5 makes sense to me. Yeah. I can go a day without Outlander. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like You're I don't capable. go a year without Outlander, but no. I certainly go a day without it. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. And what do you think <laughs> my obsession level is? How many kilts obsessed am I? If you're a 3.5. You, uh, Somewhere around a 2.5. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm at 2.5. 2.5 kilts. <laughs> That's right. The best number of kilts to try to wear. All right, so you can can you tell people where they can find you on the social media? 
You can find me on Twitter at Sarah underscore Scrimshaw. That's Sarah without an H underscore Scrimshaw. And you can find me on Instagram where I like to post pictures of drinks at Scrim Street. <laughs> but it's also sometimes like fun historical stuff. Sometimes. Yeah. Just yeah. for Friday. <laughs> All right. Here are quick plugs for this very show. And then our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. Also, check out my pop culture station on Anchor called Headcanon. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums and whatnot, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you get access to our monthly patron-only bonus episodes. Now, if you like this episode, episode you'll like our bonus episodes because sarah and i talk about something that we are obsessed with in the moment so for full info on getting access to all those bonus episodes and helping us out you can go to patreon.com slash joseph scrimshaw all right here are our final questions yes i'm so ready would you rather be able to personally fly or have free airline tickets forever personally fly personally fly Mm -hmm. now this gets just back to kinetic right well (laughs) It's both kinetic and also I'm assuming or that I will find a way if it's not naturally that my personal flying is less environmentally damaging than airplane flights. (laughs) Okay, so your gut instinct was to uh, reduce your carbon footprint by personally flying. Yeah. Okay, that's Because I'm assuming that like it's not a personal jet that I just have the ability to fly. Yes. Yeah. Would you carry me places? Absolutely. Where do you want to go? Uh, Well, to toy stores. (laughs) Chipotle before they close real quick we can make it (laughs) I hear I'm fast at flying (laughs) if your hands were going to be replaced by some kind of animal hands what kind of animal hands would you want (laughs) Uh, can I go with raccoon hands which are very human like (laughs) a little bit of a cheat but okay I was trying I was trying that question out to see if people would cheat with raccoon hands (laughs) sure enough it's me um, raccoon hands would also be good at grabbing things. They'd be good at like grabbing things. Spy hands. They'd be spy hands. I still need to be able to knit. I could still knit. <laughs> I still need to be able to make cocktails. So I don't know. I mean, Amen. they'd be like different from my hands. They have different abilities. Okay, but you would be so you would be happy with the raccoon hands. You don't want like fish flappers. You don't want uh, lobster claws. No, <laughs> no, I really, really don't. These are some good. <laughs> common sense answers <laughs> well here's to the my thing. weird like, questions i sometimes like f- run into things like i have enough ways of being clumsy i don't need to have lobster <laughs> hands or like fins that ha- i have no control over because i can knock over all the papers in our apartment from sitting right here without that so <laughs> true enough yeah true enough although someday <laughs> i would like a human with fish fins to try to make a martini that would be <laughs> A fascinating and beautiful thing to see. The final question for everyone on the podcast is, what is happiness? Happiness is strolling along a Scottish hillside with a person you love. Oh, that is beautiful and a good vacation plan for us. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me and talking about your obsession. And thank you in the big picture for sharing your obsession, because I think there's just something really uh, special about Outlander, the books, the TV show, all of the different ideas that come together are just very romantic and uh, fascinating. And I thank you for bringing it into my life. Absolutely. I think it has uh, deepened my appreciation and obsession with it to share it with you. So thank you. 
There, there's there's our, our marriage suggestion to anybody listening. <laughs> Go share your obsession with your partners and then do a podcast about it. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Here I am, trying my Scottish accent again. You can... The easy access kills. They're great.